Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, where we explore how the story of Jesus changes everything. In order for the gospel to be central, it must be functional. I'm your host, Mark Smith. And my name is Andrew Arthur. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast. We're glad you're here. My name's Mark, and I have... And I'm Andrew. Andrew, here with me. And today we're going to change it up a little bit, and we are going to be talking about fiction books. Mm-hmm. Why should people, and particularly Christians, read mm-hmm. fiction? And this is going to be a fun two-part episode where we're going to be talking first about fiction books for this episode, yeah. then next episode... We're going to be talking about the or just book. fiction literature. Fiction literature, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next book or next episode, we're going to be talking about "Till We Have Faces," written by C.S. Lewis. And the reason for this is because you and I both believe that Christians should read fiction literature. Absolutely. And uh, and so that shared um, passion mm-hmm. uh, is 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 going to give birth to our conversations and dialogues on over certain pieces of fiction that we have read or are reading um, and, and fleshing it out to show why we believe fiction can serve the Christian imagination and the Christian understanding of, of reality and truth in a, in a dynamic, memorable, impressionable way. Yep. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Yep, you are. You're getting too excited. Uh, but you're also, you know, we can also dive in. So... What we want to do today is we're going to talk a bit about why we believe that the, why Christians, we believe Christians should read fiction books, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, because we, we, why we believe that. Also, we want to talk a bit using the example from one of our favorite books, Till We Have Faces from C.S. Lewis. It's a good, good I choice. Just, I say it and I get excited about it. This is uh, a book that I read in college. And I think Andrew read too in college, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I read in college, and I've read in recent weeks, uh, kind of reread to refresh yeah. myself. Yeah, both actually, both of us, both of us have been re- reading it. Um, he's almost done with it. Um, I read it a few times earlier, and now I'm kind of looking through it again, just looking over my notes. Yeah, I will say, so age, good. age, and experience has like. I really I remember enjoying it the first run through, but I think age and life experience mm-hmm. has made it all the more impactful. And and I, I was able to I caught so much more reading it the second time. Yeah, that yeah. was very good. But again, getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, let's ask the question: Why should Christians read literature or yeah. fiction? Why should Christians read fiction literature? Well, my answer, and this is a dialogue of he and I are just going to be going back and forth talking about why we both think. My answer, though, first is, unlike any other type of literature, fiction gives us color to our faith and helps us take elements of story, elements of truth that are found within a narrative and helps shine color on uh, on these deep things that sometimes we don't understand by just being told to us. Mm-hmm. Fiction helps us understand that through story and through narrative. Yeah, because it's an art form, uh, yeah. and that's what art does. Yeah. Um, music, poetry, fiction, literature, they're able, it's able to 
hit a person in places that a simple proposition or a straightforward assertion just can't yep. can't reach. Yeah. In fiction, I think unlike any other form of, um, apart from poetry, poetry I would hold very similar, mm-hmm. uh, is able to capture the emotions and capture the heart in a way that other other writings can't do. Right. And so something can be said within a narrative or within a, a fiction story that captures the human condition mm-hmm. that can immediately bring a sense of conviction or a sense of um, understanding oneself through the narrative form, which is why I think that like we see how Jesus used storytelling mm-hmm. to capture and to explain and talk to an audience. Um, I think there's something behind that. Um, and so not saying that he used fiction because his parables are a whole different thing. But mm-hmm. in the same way, the, the power of story, the power of narrative within um, is able, I think, to capture something really special with Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes, it, again, it reaches places that, like I've, I'll put it this way, I've never cried reading a systematic theology. I've never wept reading. I've, I've cried from boredom sometimes <laughs> over reading. I'm just kidding. I actually love theology. I, I do too. I love reading systematic <laughs> so, theology, but my affections aren't reached yeah, aren't by Wayne Grudem. Right. And they're not reached by uh, Millard, Millard Erickson or mm-hmm. any of these systematics. What uh, I love them. I need them. Christians should read them. Yep, we should read them. <laughs> but what reaches the affections, what hits us in a deeper level is good fiction. Now, there is bad fiction out there, of course, and obviously there's a lot of subjectivity to that. But for the Christian, I think that we're able to, um, that when we kind of weave a regular diet of fiction literature into our lives, mm-hmm. and we are thinking um, uh, just, you know, as as we do about reality and truth and what is true, what is real. I mean, that's what that's where Christians live. Uh, we are concerned with what is true. We're concerned with what is real. And good fiction cues us into uh, what is true and what is real um, by disclosing aspects of the human condition, putting pictures to aspects of the human condition that, that we might not um, be able to understand if we were just reading a philosophy or a, or a, or a theological treaty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fiction is able to... Um, artistically convey and when you artistically convey something you reach deeper into the human mm-hmm. psyche yeah yeah and that's, it's a, like, that's a little foreshadowing there for you mm-hmm. when, I have a really good when things are abstract like a theological concept or a theological principle mm-hmm. uh, we can be very um, we can engage in conversations and we can interact with people uh, on kind of on that plane, mm-hmm. and that can make us somewhat defensive. It can make us argumentative. It can make us. It, 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 we're not as empathetic, mm-hmm. and we're not as sympathetic with the realities or the truths that we're talking about. Yeah. But fiction takes these abstract. Good fiction takes these abstract truths and aspects of the human condition and the world that God created, and embeds them in uh, a much more humane place. Yeah. Um, which I think. I don't know if that's where you're heading, but I think that's what uh, that's where my mind went. Um, yeah, which in terms but, of yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's able to um, it's able to disarm and kind of introduce and bring us into a closer mm-hmm. proximity of where we are um, 
to a character. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, there's a difference between reading a biography or reading some kind of like something on the news about a story of someone mm-hmm. when there's a fiction tale the person like we can be we can just let any kind of um criticisms go because the fiction element of it the fact that's not real that's made up that there's a story we can it kind of disarms us or we can let ourselves into the story easier than we could mm-hmm. thinking about someone's context background what's different about them from me you know to make sense yeah so like yeah. a person a side example of this would be frodo from the hot from the, the lord of the rings Frodo is someone who it's like we're, we've we listen to tales all the time in the news, in stories, in the newspaper, whenever of people going on journeys, going on epic experiences, right? But all of them, I think, critically and compare the difference to myself and them. Like I can't do something like that, or I don't want to do something like that. I don't want to go on this really long journey, as exciting as it might sound, because of this reason or that. But like, for Frodo, example, this lady who recently broke the record as being the youngest person to ever travel oh, to every, every single country, country in yeah. the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, like that. And so I think about her context, her background, her... Um, resources. R- resources, <laughs> financial means. Right. <laughs> you know, I think about things like that. With Frodo, I don't think about any of those things. And I'm, I'm ready to go on a journey with him. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by disarming the emotion, disarming... Um, any kind of like hesitancies that I would have in mm-hmm. going on a journey, fiction gives me the ability to go on journeys with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 closeness, that eminence that fiction creates, yeah, um, is is powerful, mm-hmm. and not many things can do that. Now, true stories can have that effect if that true story is written well. Well, um, if it's written well, and I would add, if it's read well too, yeah. But what I want to also ask, Andrew, is both of us have different maybe reasons why we read C.S. Lewis, but if we're talking about fiction, reading good fiction, mm-hmm. why should someone read C.S. Lewis um, as our ultimate example of a good <laughs> fiction writer? Yeah, there, there are a lot of good fiction writers. C.S. Lewis is one that we both find common ground, and obviously many Many people in the world since his day uh, have been have been blessed by his writings mm-hmm. because he was a he was a very gifted writer, and I think one of the reasons why uh, he was so good and one of the reasons because he was the man who could kind of swim in both streams. He could write powerful nonfiction uh, theological works, even though he wasn't a trained theologian, but he could still write with the best of them. Um, because he was so brilliant and so gifted. Mm-hmm. And he made it his aim to communicate theology in a way that anyone could understand. Mm-hmm. And so the idea behind mere Christianity was just that. He wanted to recast the Christian faith to a world that was suffering in the midst of World War II, but he wanted to do it in a way that everyone could understand. And so he, it's so profoundly simple, um, that, that work, and mm-hmm. it impacts people constantly. Yeah. But then in the very next breath, he can swim in the stream of, of fiction, and he can write some of the best fiction that has ever been penned in the English language. You have the Chronicles of Narnia, you have, uh, which is probably the most famous. You have his sci-fi trilogy. So he's running from writing to children to this incredible sci-fi 
trilogy? How do you bounce yeah. from from Narnia to Mars? Like how do you how do you how do you <laughs> right. do that? Uh, then he also he has the book that we're going to talk about today, Till We Have Faces. And I think the brilliance behind him is that he could swim in both worlds. Mm-hmm. He could swim in both streams. And part of that, I think, is due to his journey. As he grew up, his big struggle, his existential struggle, uh, in addition to the problem he had with suffering that he experienced and reconciling hard things in this world, he lost his mom at a young age. But another part of his, his struggle uh, was he could not reconcile uh, his rationalism with his imagination. And he could dream up incredible uh, incredible images and desires and joys that would be snuffed out by kind of the empty rationalism of his day that he at one time kind of bought into in his atheism. And so you have this guy, uh, but all the while you had this inner turmoil between his imagination and his reason and trying to figure out how the two go together. And because he worked through that and because God, unbeknownst to him even at the time, was shepherding him through those seasons and journeys to bring him to the point of his conversion. And in Christ, he found it was possible for his imagination and his reason to be reconciled, Mm -hmm. that the truth that he wanted to delight in was available in the Christian faith and in in coming to an understanding of of who Christ was and and the reality of God and God's redemptive purposes. And really, it kind of boils down to this whole idea of of love and joy and delight, Mm -hmm. which was where much of his... Uh, journey kind of crescendoed yeah. as it ought. And yeah. and I think that was served by his uncanny ability to be imaginative and rational all at the same time. Yeah. And for, for any readers, if I could add just a couple of things, um, for any readers who um, have read some of C.S. Lewis and want to get a, a good understanding of what Andrew just addressed and C.S. Lewis's journey, two books that I think are great of his, uh, or actually, let me just say three, that show his his journey from rationalism and then merging rationalism and, and imagination together is his first um, his first fiction book, which is called The Pilgrim's Regress, which is a which is an allegorical tale of his conversion, and it's this uh, kind of merging of two kind of rational thought and agnosticism to the Christian faith through the allegory of uh, Pilgrim from Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. So it's um, this Pilgrim who's going on this journey, Pilgrim's Regress. But then I think where we see a really good example of what you just talked about, Andrew, is uh, The Great Divorce. His theological fiction, I think, mm-hmm. is awesome in how it shows this deep theological truth mixed with imagination mm-hmm. and um, this very whimsical tale. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be focusing on that theme of what you just mentioned, um, love, de- what did you say? The idea, Well, for him, the idea of love and delight and joy kind of coming to love, a crescendo in, yes. in the marriage of imagination and reason that he found possible and palatable and desirable in the Christian faith yeah. um, when, when he met Christ yeah. and God changed him. Yeah. And so here's... so. Today. Uh, one thing, I'm sorry, oh. one note, uh, there's so much here, and we may need to make yeah. this um, a few podcasts, but uh, you, you mentioned, so The Pilgrim's Regress was his first fictional work where he's allegorizing the Christian, where he's where he's taking Christianity 
and he's fiction. He's putting it in fiction. I believe so. Um, his conversion. The um, and and he does so by piggybacking on John Bunyan's work, The Pilgrim's Progress, Progress. Yeah. which was written in the seventeenth century. And so, sixteenth or seventeenth century. Um, C.S. Lewis is a, like one of the things that made him strong is that he didn't just read contemporary fiction. He read classic fiction. He read old fiction. And he's constantly encouraging students of the faith and students of reality and truth to not become myopic and only read what is contemporary, yeah, but read stuff that lasts mm-hmm. or that has lasted and has stood the test of time because there's a reason why works like The Pilgrim's Progress has stood the test of time. And so this um, this passion to read, we don't, uh, to read good fiction, we don't, we won't, yeah, read. Uh, well, let me say it this way. Don't just read what you see on the New York Times bestsellers list um, that is contemporary. Uh, you can read those, but but you need to dive into um, older works, books. because yeah. when you read fiction, you're ultimately... As a Christian, we're driving towards what is true, mm-hmm. and what is true is going to pop up in good fiction throughout throughout history, mm-hmm. um, timeless tales, old stories, yeah. and you begin to see themes that are um, related in works that transcend time, and in many ways even transcend context and space. I mean, here we're going to talk about a book that was written or where C.S. Lewis basically, basically retells and reimagines a Greek myth that he read, uh, I think, in his undergrad mm-hmm. before he was a Christian. Yes. And now he's able to revisit, and then later in life, he's here really as he was thinking about it all of his life, um, he revisits it in a way that draws out these timeless and recasts recast the story, yes. or he revisits it. Sorry, he revisits it in order to recast the story in a way that that just lays out some of the most beautiful, universal, timeless truths that ex- yes. that that are truer than true in yeah. many ways. From what he believed was absent from the original story, mm-hmm. he 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 said these need to to be in there. But however, we do need to note that because we're talking about C.S. Lewis's books that uh, the book that we're talking about is Till We Have Faces, that was not written as a theological fiction. Right. It was, it was meant as a reimagined Greek, Greek myth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a myth retold is on the very front of it. And so you're going to see, if you, for those reading it, we cannot be thinking of it as a theological fiction. Rather, this is... A Greek myth, a fiction novel, told, seeping with Christian truths in the fingerprints of the writing. Mm-hmm. And so. I would move even beyond just Christian themes to just true themes, um, true themes, themes yeah. that are that stand the test of time because they are true. And that's where you really get after. And that's when fic, that's how fiction can serve you well, is because they drive truth into the affections. You know, good fiction should drive truth into the affections, and. Um, as a Christian, you know, we, we are, we are concerned with what's true. Uh, we have a worldview that is shaped by the revelation of the creator mm-hmm. who has redeemed us in Christ. So, uh, we, we know Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And so, uh, every truth that, that if it is, 
if it is true, it will be in some discernible way connected to or pointing to or uh, resident or echoing in the gospel. Or it will be echoes of the gospel story. Yep. So let's end on this, Andrew. Let's end on readers and listeners out there. Read fiction books. Read good fiction books. Yep. It's going to help your faith. It's going to encourage you. It's going to make you happy. And it's going to also bring that color of your faith that you will not be able to find in any other kind of reading context. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> that that move from the abstract to the concrete and being embedded, truth embedded in the affections. Yep. You got to have it. So with that, we'll leave you and we will see you guys on our next episode when we talk about Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm.